hello, hello to the D-Web podcast. <laughs> so, um, thanks for doing this today. Um, this, uh, so we're doing a code walkthrough uh, with uh, author of Gun.js, if I'm saying that right, uh, the amazing Mark Nadal. Hopefully I've got your name right. <laughs> and Rob, do you want to introduce yourself and your background as well? Sure. Uh, my name is Rob. Uh, I am a web developer. I mainly work with React, but I've also uh, handled projects um, that span the, the back end to the front end. Um, a lot of traditional stuff with the, the old SQL databases. And uh, nowadays, uh, oh, I work in San Francisco for a machine learning company. And um, I'm really interested in the integration of Gun with React. Woohoo! And if anybody else on the podcast right now wants to speak up and uh, give an intro about themselves, please do. But if you just want to listen, that's also fine. So um, I'm going to just let you uh, take, uh, take the wheel here. But uh, to kick things off, why don't we, um, do you want me to list some of the things that we had talked about recently in the, the channel? That would be great. And while you're doing that, I'll try and figure out how to screen share. Um, and at some point, it sounds like your, your um, camera is not working, but might it be useful for you to screen share as well at some point? Yeah, let's see. Um, there, uh, here's the share feature. Um, ah, okay, share. Uh, I think I have the. Uh, it's going to mirror your face as soon as I as soon as I start sharing. Uh, let me first open. Oh wait, I don't even know if I. Um, If I change windows, I don't know how if the recording feature is going to keep capturing your video or turn around. Okay. Um, I'm going to switch over to GitHub and go to the repo. The last thing that I was looking at was the on. I don't know if you're uh, right now. Your screen is not sharing. Right. No, I didn't. I didn't switch it on on purpose. Um, let's. All right. I'm going to go ahead and try sharing. Or if you want, I can uh, start my. There we go. Looks like okay. Yes, it is working. Sweet. All righty. Uh, so, let's see what we've got here. So we were most recently talking about uh, listeners, the on method, and the off method. So I see this one here. I don't recall if this is the file I was looking at. Why don't you tell me if I'm going in the right direction? So I know that you were wanting to help with fixing the unsubscription, correct? Yes. And it would relate to this file. There is the other file, which is .off, um, which might be included in this file. Um, and I'll probably have to step back and give an explanation of the event system 
as well. And I think there was a few other things that you wanted to talk about at a high level. So I don't know if you were wanting to dive straight into um, unsubscription or if you want to kind of go over um, layout and hierarchy first. It's up to you. Uh, let's start with the high level stuff, I think probably would make the most sense. So I think one of the things that I first noticed was uh, our use function. That one gets used quite a bit. So I thought it'd be helpful to have an explainer for this. And then the other thing I was thinking is if from a high level view, what are the various objects that we'll encounter in the, the gun source code? Great. So I'm going to switch over and share my screen. Um, I'll have to undo my share, I think. Yeah. So that way it's a little bit easier for me to traverse. And then please interrupt and butt me out of anything at any point if um, share computer sounds optimized for full screen video clip. Sure. Um, if you need to take over. Oh, wait. Do you see my screen? Yes. I'm going to switch over to uh, my code editor since it's a little bit easier for me to track. I'm going to jump up to the top of the file. And this is gun core. So, one important piece for me everybody should know is that gun should work out of the box in the browser with no compile step, no alterations, no transpiling, no anything. Now that is the case most of the time, but of course there are some hiccups in order for that to work. Um, most of guns features are split up into modules and these modules can all be seen with the use function. And something very key to note is that at the bottom of each one of these use functions, you'll notice a little name like dot slash type. And that corresponds actually to the source folder dot type that this module is unbuilt into. So the code here in gun.js core, and then the, the code here in um, source slash type are exactly the same thing. And that's defined by the use module wrapping it. Now the important piece here is, well, um, module.exports doesn't work out of the box in browsers. Neither do require statements. In this case, type is the very first module that is then required by other components. So it doesn't have any dependencies on its own. And it's just a, a fill-in for JavaScript's messed up type system that is a little bit more consistent and cross-platform and provides a couple utilities. Ideally, this, these uh, 150 lines of code wouldn't even exist in GUN because uh, JavaScript would be good enough as a programming language and would include all this stuff. And to be honest, a lot of the new ES6 and above uh, features are starting to add these things. And, but I test my code on really, really, really old school systems because I don't want to have to um, depend upon an unknown amount of polyfills and, sh and shims. There's been a lot of debacles on NPM where people depend upon these polyfills and shims and they get hijacked later and that has a security compromise. And oftentimes the polyfills and shims are unnecessarily verbose 
and just take up a lot of space. This is 150 lines and it pretty much gives me all the JavaScript utilities that I would want or expect. And then it also works out of the box in older browsers, older devices. Um, and that's, again, very important for me when I'm dealing with potentially really old Android devices in India or the latest MacBook in San Francisco. I, I'm not just building for evergreen browsers, but I don't want to waste um, space or storage or bandwidth with a lot of the polyfills and shims that are overly um, verbose. So that's what use does. It was originally called require. <laughs> um, so this was originally called require right here, and it was scoped inside of this um, anonymous function. So that way require wouldn't leak out. However, um, because I also want Gun to work with more modern systems like Webpack and Babel and TypeScript and ES2020 and above, um, I, they got very confused when there was a function called require <laughs> inside mm -hmm. of Gun. So I switched over to calling it all capital use. And you see that it will actually, inside of Node.js, proxy require if necessary. Um, elsewise, inside of the browser, without any polyfills or any shimming or any compile steps, it actually um, lets me write down here. Well, actually, this is probably another module onto um, that maps to source onto um, uh, 40 lines of code. Um, same here and here. Um, let me try and find a module that actually depends upon one of these earlier pieces. Here's the hypothetical amnesia machine, which is a conflict resolution algorithm and the CRDT for gun. Here we go. So this module, um, which is called val, that you can find like before right here, requires type. And you notice that in the source folder, where everything split, all these modules are split out into separate files, so it's easier for people to read and edit and think about, um, it's, it's actually calling require uh, dot slash type, which is this file over here. But in the module code, to try and not confuse Webpack, although Webpack changes like every six months and we have to keep on rotating, um, it's called use dot slash type. And this lets us use a require-like syntax and structure in the browser without any compile step, but also um, transform it into a more Node.js friendly, um, every module's in its separate file structure. And of course I could go through the rest of these use functions, but th I think that's enough explanation there. Yeah, I think you get, get the gist. Yeah, definitely. So then uh, is it the case that gun.js does it use concatenation to bring these different files together into one? Is there, is there not a build step? I, I think maybe I just didn't quite hear that part of your explanation because I think you mentioned it. Well, this is going to be a little bit controversial. <laughs> so I was trying to avoid mentioning it, but that's fine. We use an unbuild step. So this is the entirety of the shim. And that's it. And then we have a separate Node.js file um, that doesn't need to be in the, the browser version that takes each one of these modules and unbuilds it from gun.js core into the source directory. 
So it's like very backwards from what everybody usually does. They write a bunch of separate files that they then build into a single um, file that is then bundled and included in the browser. But again, one of the most important requirements that Gun has is it has to work out of the box in any browser without a compile step. But in order to be friendly with the whole um, modular ecosystem, uh, we decided to go the reverse direction. We'd take a single file that works in the browser, and then using this very small unbuild shim around require, we then later run an unbuild step that then converts it into the split out files and modules that then people later, <laughs> if you want to get really meta about this, can go and rebuild back into a minified gun module. Um, okay. Got it. All right. So uh, points for originality. Um, <laughs> uh, it's definitely the first time I've seen an unbuild system before. I actually hadn't heard of that. So does that mean that for contributors, should uh, changes be made against the, the smaller files or gun.js? It doesn't matter. So whichever is more comfortable for you. Cool. All right. And that's how I get compatibility between uh, the crazy mad science that I do and then um, trying to make sure that the ecosystem is, is compatible with other developers and what they already know. Now, I, I should note that most contributors don't even wind up contributing to either of those because Gun is so modular, they wind up just writing a separate NPM module or component at, like you have with Gun React, and then we just make sure we advertise it heavily and promote it in the README, the Wiki, and on the GitHub, and, and on the Gitter channel. Um, and then everybody's just able to pull in that module and it just gets pushed right into everything that everybody's using um, without people having to even understand whether the files are being built or unbuilt. Right. Sort of a layering approach, sort of like how um, requiring uh, gun slash lib slash open or gun slash lib slash load, just layer those on in, in order, right? Exactly. I wish this was uh, my thinking, but it's, it's purely based off of the Unix or Node.js philosophy of um, trying to make everything as much as possible be very small modules that only do one thing and that's it. And then everything is implemented in user land rather than in core. Got it. Makes sense. Okay. So then um, I think that uh, that really gives me a good understanding uh, of the, um, the structure of the project and uh, how are things required. Uh, so then in that types file, is that the place where we will find some of the answers to the other question I was talking about, uh, the various types that live in, in the gun uh, um, system? So that is a good question, and it would make sense for types to have that, but types is purely focused on JavaScript types. So functions, uh, booleans, numbers, uh, strings, text, um, objects, arrays, etc. So there's nothing going to be really interesting here other than things that you normally would expect Lodash and underscore to have. I don't depend upon Lodash or underscore, uh, but you can think of this as, 
as guns micro lodash underscore uh, library. The rest of the type system is actually these other files which build on top of type because guns types are obviously based or built up from using the JavaScript types. And that's going to be the lowest level one of val. Then the next one up after that is going to be, actually it's a little bit easier if I look at it in my um, larger file here. Um, so we have, actually the, the flow of the, the, these modules represents the dependency kind of graph of gun as well. The first module you see is the JavaScript type library. The next module, which doesn't have any other dependencies, is um, Gun's event library. And there's a whole story on this, uh, to this on its own, which if you want, I'll explain later. But just remember to mention it. It's very, very, very small, has no dependencies. And then the third one is Gun's core conflict resolution algorithm I mentioned before, the CRDT, that everything else is based on. So this is finally now getting into more Gun land. And the very, 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 very beginning of Gun and everything it does is this uh, CRDT. And that's pretty short. It's also about 50 lines of code on its own. Then the next um, piece is the gun types. So this is the, ham is the, the conflict resolution algorithm, which almost is, isn't even gun. It, it's like below gun. So you can, you can think gun builds on top of the ham CRD team. And so the first thing that gun as a type defines is what a value is. And there are only a couple um, values that gun supports. It supports null, strings, booleans, numbers, and a special thing called a pointer or a link. And that links to other nodes in the graph. And that's it. I really, 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 really want to support infinity. Um, but because JSON is currently used as the default um, interchange format. I, I actually despise JSON, but its ubiquity is important to work with. JSON doesn't support infinity. So infinity is not a value that gun supports in the JavaScript version. Although in the future, I will plan to support um, infinity. So there's only a couple uh, types that are, are valid values in gun. One of the most notable things you should um, note is actually arrays are not supported. And that's because in JavaScript land, it's single threaded. And the way that developers use arrays um, have certain consistency guarantees that do not exist when you're talking about a distributed system. When you're, when you're talking about many different machines communicating with each other, the, the behaviors of how an array functions that all JavaScript developers are familiar with break down. And I can support those in GUN. The issue is there are three different ways that most people use arrays. And those have three different trade-offs in a distributed system. And there's no way for me to be able to predict how people are going to use those arrays. And so just kind of out of the box, I throw a warning saying, hey, you should consider using gun.set instead of an array. Um, and that's kind of the closest approximation and a way that I can kind of polyfill arrays without leading to some really, really, really bad distributed systems problems. Um, I have a yeah. question I want to throw in here. Um, it, it looks like it's pretty straightforward to convert 
any array to an object with object.assign or a spread operator. Uh, so what sort of, are there any gotchas if using that approach? I'm, I'm loving it that you mentioned that. Uh, no, that is one of the three types of arrays. And I call that, um, mm, I guess atomic arrays are different. Um, I forget the name that I had for that, but, but that's perfectly acceptable. Uh, oh, the, 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 that's what it was, fixed array notation. So what that means is every value is at a fixed index in the array, which means you could theoretically have a value at index one, index two, and index five without there being three and four in between. Um, the way that JavaScript implements and handles arrays like that is, is actually extraordinarily complicated. <laughs> um, and and has been a subject of debate between different JavaScript engine implementers, most notably with V8 uh, deciding to just put undefined undefined in between there. Um, but, and that actually is a reason why you, you might have heard of some JavaScript utility libraries. I think Lodash actually, or, or Bluebird, I think Bluebird is, is promises, outperforming native um, C, C++ code inside of JavaScript engines like V8. And the reason why is because those JavaScript libraries are throwing out all of these edge cases that the V8 engine or Firefox's engine has to account for um, that then slows it down. Um, so, so yes, if we could just get the whole world on board with this idea that arrays are fixed offset, uh, are fixed index notations, then the world would be a whole lot better. But we don't, and um, politics and debate and flame wars have, and distributed system problems have all spawned out of that. But you're absolutely right. If you, if that, if you are using arrays like that, it should be perfectly fine to just convert um, using the spread operator or the, the object assign that you mentioned. I actually don't even know how to do that stuff, so I'm glad that you do. Hey, so. Uh then in the situation where somebody wants to reorder their array, I'm assuming you would want to use a function, a, a method in gun like load that would allow you to read out the entire, um, the entire list and then you could do your reordering in JavaScript and then you would reset the entire list. Is, does it, um, that seems feasible from the amount that I've worked with gun, is that right? Absolutely brilliant. Once again, you really know your, uh, your, your data structures and um, algorithm stuff. So that is absolutely the right way to do it. Just note that that comes with trade-off, which is when you want to reorder something or even change the index of one item, you basically have to rewrite all of the rest of the indexes. Got it, okay. So clearly that wouldn't be very scalable if you had a fixed array being mutated or reordered or um, with, with a lot of different users simultaneously because they would start stepping on each other's, each other's toes. However, you could have a very scalable uh, fixed array that is only append only because you're not then 
changing the sort order or inserting anything at the beginning of the array or in the middle of the array. If you're always appending to the end, then a fixed array will be scalable, um, although not necessarily concurrent. But now we're, again, diving into a lot more technical details of distributed systems, which I'd love to go over, but would warrant their whole own half hour or hour long talks. Um, but yes, as long as you're aware of those different types of trade-offs and you and you're comfortable with making those decisions, then those are perfectly valid approaches and will work fine with gun. Awesome, awesome, okay, thanks. So uh, yeah, we've, we've uh, kind of covered some things that were on my mind, but um, uh, I know we wanted to really focus on the code because I think the primary motivation for the video was like, let, let's uh, help people contribute and help get you some more hands, uh, you know, uh, helping with this project, so. Let's um, let's dive back into our our code and um, see what else have we got. So we've covered types already. That one went by pretty quick, I think. At least it felt quick to me. So maybe. Um, so yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll try and speed through the other remaining types. Is um, the the value type is just the atomic values inside of gun, and va and values are attached to a key or a property or a field, uh, whatever you want to whatever language you want to use. And a key a property or a field is on a node and a node exists inside of a graph. So the other gun specific types are exactly that. Um, you then have the node module, which builds on top of the, the JavaScript types and the value types to compose a property node as what's called in, in certain graph databases. And this module just handles uh, utility functions for dealing with nodes inside of GUN. And these nodes actually don't even have the vector clocks um, or the, the CRDT information attached to them. They're just regular old nodes um, that let you, well, I guess this is now more explored in, in um, the state function. So then the next type is the state module, which builds on top of JavaScript types and GUN's node system um, or node type. And this is really just all the information for making sure that we're handling the vector clocks, timestamps, and lexical sorts properly. And there's a couple utility functions here for, for dealing with that in, in my code base. Then um, the next one is the graph type, which builds on top of values and nodes. And um, this component is will let you take circular JavaScript objects that are not valid in JSON. So for people who are watching, I can just show you this easily, but for people who are listening, they'll have to jump along here. I have an object um, that has a value on it of one. I'm gonna take that object and I'm gonna assign a me property back to the object itself. And now we have a circular, um, object in JavaScript that's totally valid. If I attempt to serialize this to JSON, json.parse, the object, you get a, oh no, unexpected token zero, it basically it cannot handle, oh sorry, stringify, my bad, json.stringify. It can't convert circular references. So this graph component in GUN um, allows you to take regular JavaScript objects that have circular references and have valid gun values and 
serial and, and serialize that into a, a graph. Um, there's several other talks I've done even like five years ago that still apply on, on how this works um, and what it looks like. And that's just then the most important piece, which is it lets you actually then have graph data structures in a graph database, um, even if we're using JSON as the interchange format. Um, and that's, I think, it in terms of all of the types that are specific to gun. And I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> all right, awesome. Um, so then I think the next thing was to take some uh, particular parts of the code and maybe just do sort of a walkthrough. So I think at this point, the um, only thing that I had left on my list of desirable things to cover was our um, event uh, listener uh, system. And there's two event listener systems. One is the JavaScript event listener system that GUN is built on top of. And then there is the GUN specific event listening system. I, the bug with um, unsubscribing things relates to GUN's event system. I assume that's the one that you'd like to jump into, right? Yeah, so we want to just give anybody else in the future watching this uh, some background. <clears throat> what I'm interested in is managing uh, listeners, uh, data listeners, so that we can bind uh, to React components and render uh, straight to the DOM, straight to React, whenever things in GUN change. And then as if, uh, when components unmount, we want to be able to remove those listeners. And so if we can do that uh, through GUN's API, then we don't have to do any sort of tricks in between. Yes. And that currently is possible. It's just that the bug that happens is that when you resubscribe to data in GUN, after it's been unsubscribed, it, for whatever reason, doesn't reattach. So that's kind of the bug that we're hoping to get at. So here is the on um, uh, uh, chain method inside of gun, so source slash on.js. And it's a little bit longer. It's 150 lines of code on its own, but that's also because it includes um, dot off. And a and quite a few other pieces of the gun chaining modules built on top of dot on. Um, dot on itself is built on top of dot git, um, but you notice that line 54, at least currently, in um, the, the on method includes the dot once method. Um, so even dot once is built on top of dot on, which is built on top of .git. <laughs> There's a very nice, elegant hierarchy of all these methods and modules that build on top of each other. But ideally, nobody has to know about all that stuff. Um, they're just using it. But then when bugs pop up like this and we're trying to debug, we have to dive into it. So the first thing to note is that the chain method on um, will actually internally call gun.git to set up the event listener. So to look at kind of the flow of this code, I'm going to actually go from dot on 
into .git, which it's built on top of that I was just mentioning. And .git handles a bunch of other things, um, it, but itself is only like 130 lines. The one that I want to focus on is this condition here, which is if you pass .git a function instead of a string that most people do. Um, and when it's a function, it goes into this mode here, um, lines kind of 18 through 25, which it sets up this as object and the at object. The at object is always where we are currently at in the gun chain. And you might have actually noticed this. It's the, it's the thing that gets returned from gun um, that then has that underscore property. And that's distinct from the underscore property that's in the, the data that you get back from gun. Um, that underscore property on the gun chain um, reference contains all of the internal metadata that gun needs for the API, which again is separate from the metadata that is on the, the, the actual data that you're saving to gun itself. So at is always where we're at in the chain. And the as object is the context that we're calling it as. So I think uh, I'll probably write some code here just to, to show you. Um, if I have some chain, like gun.git, foo.git, bar, um, .git, blah, I might call dot on and pass it a callback to listen. The issue is you can have multiple listeners for the exact same chain context. So each callback listener that is on that particular data in the graph is um, at the same location in the graph or in the chain, but has a different context that it's called with or that it's called as. Um, so that's what as and at are. I, I know that the naming might seem a bit obscure for anybody that just randomly jumps into the code, but it actually winds up making a lot of sense when you're dealing with the API and you're trying to traverse this graph that has cyclical references. It can get very, 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 very confusing building an API that handles graph data structures because you can, you can end up in infinite circles. So reducing all the naming down to things like where you're at in, that, uh, in the tree that you're traversing and the context that things are called as uh, make it much easier to reason about um, when, when you're familiar with the internal code. All right, any questions on that? And then I'm gonna explain how the event um, hooks get set in because that's a whole new subject. Well, that was pretty uh, clear for me, and I just wanted to comment that, like, I completely understand uh, and, and sympathize with the issue that I mean, you have a very complex system, and naming is hard. Uh, there's a lot of concepts, and anybody new to the code base is going to have to first learn some of these concepts that are involved with working with this graph database. Um, I see as, um, so I see it looks like it's uh, either a callback or an object, and so I was just kind of curious how we get as, but um, otherwise, proceed. Thank you, I really appreciate that comment. Um, uh, so jumping into this next piece, and this is where we're going to kind of break away from gun into the internal event 
system. Um, and with respect to naming, most people using gun don't have to know what as and at are. Uh, they're just using things that proxy to it. But in order for that API to be magical and kind of work that way, um, that's where this naming comes in. And, and so as, to answer your question, is, a, is always kind of like the options object you pass in. Now, if you don't pass in an options um, argument, it will just create it for you. Now, you might be wondering, well, that says callback right there, so uh, not options. And that's because I try and focus on having .git for most people actually using the API just before traversing the graph. And so you're never really passing a, a, a callback. Um, so there, the, the CB reference here is not actually um, referencing the, a normal callback that you would expect. And so the, the API of Git takes different ordered parameters, and I'm just kind of deconstructing it um, based off of how it's being called. In this case, it's being called with a function um, by dot on, which is where we originally started. So with that um, aside, now let me jump into this new thing. The AP, the guns chaining um, system is all IO driven and that's inspired by node uh, JS itself. And that means everything in the chaining API internally is represented by input and output. So every single gun chain sets up its own event listeners for input and for output. There's a whole complex slew of reasons as to why. Um, that we can explore probably in a different talk. <laughs> and it relates, it mostly relates to performance. Um, but for right now, just think of every time you call a, a gun.chain, gun.get, get, 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 as creating an input output um, cycle. So this is now where we switch from guns event listener system into the internal event listener system, where we have dot on. Um, and hook up the listener of use to this input listener. Um, and that means use will get called on any data that is put into this chain. Use itself is not the function that the, the user passed. It's actually a function that has to handle a bunch of different um, edge cases that then calls your event listener. So then something a little bit um, more complicated that we don't need to go over here is that that doesn't really do anything. Um, that sets up an event listener, but that won't trigger anything to happen. We then have to call the out, um, the, the output link. We might be very deep in some gun chain gun.getfood.getbar.getblah, deep, deep, deep inside of the graph, and we set up that listener, and that listener won't actually wind up triggering with anything. We want that listener to trigger as soon as it gets set up, so we actually have to call, um, we have to call back up the chain and out through the whole system, and so that's what this line 25 does, is it's actually sending this object, um, out and up the gun chain. And the reason why I'm not gonna explain the whole process is, is there's 
so many different layers of caching that happen, so many different layers of edge cases of dealing with whether the data is loaded already, not loaded, whether we're dealing with a singleton versus a, a plural map um, where you have a list of records, and that becomes a whole hairy issue on its own, um, which might relate to the in bug that we're dealing with, but ideally not because we don't seem to have the problem other places. So that then completes the cycle of how we call the method dot on that sets up our listener that gets passed to dot get as a function callback that then sets up the input listener and then calls the output um, back up the chain to generate um, loading data that will then re-trigger dot the, the input that will then listen into the subscriptions. So coming back to the on.js file, the on method, not .git, um, that's why this code is so simple. It's effectively handing a proxy to the internal event listener in case you pass it a string. Um, elsewise, it's just proxying everything to .git internally. And so what we're now interested in, well, what is the callback that is set up initially? And that's the OK callback. And the reason why it's called OK is because .on only gets called with valid data. .on will not get called with errors and will not get called with um, uh, data that's not found. You can use .once um, if you, if you want to get called with um, uh, when data is not found. And there's a couple other things you can do for getting called with data that error. And the reason why this is the case is just because we want .on to kind of act as a whitelist for our data. Um, it will only react if data exists, so we know it's safe to operate on. And that's why uh, in the code here, it's called OK. It's only when things are OK that our listeners get called. Got it. Makes sense. So uh, I was going to say maybe also, uh, would it be, uh, would it make sense to also cover some of how the off function method works? Yes, and that's what I'm about to jump into, but I'm glad you're, you're ahead of me on it. So OK does a couple of type checks, but then ultimately calls um, the function that you passed it um, in these two lines, uh, just depending upon whether you, you wanted a this object passed in or not. And the important thing to note here is this Eve object, which is the third parameter on the dot on method uh, with the data you get called back. The third parameter is the event listener that was set up all the way back at the beginning um, that we were talking about with dot get and is the internal event listener. So anybody can easily unsubscribe Oh, sorry, it's the fourth parameter. I apologize. Um, anybody can easily unsubscribe from listening to data um, inside of the callback by calling eve.off. And that's it. However, things get a little bit more hairy when we're then dealing with chain.off. And the reason why is because of three different edge cases that I think I explore in gun.eco slash docs slash JavaScript, lowercase. When, as I mentioned before, there can be multiple listeners at the same context. And so when you call eve.off, 
you're only you're only unsubscribing that one listener um, that you just called, not anything else. And that makes sense. Well, the gun method um, chain dot off will wind up unsubscribing all listeners for data on that context. So those are the two kind of different uh, edge cases of where you might want to use the internal event listener to unsubscribe a single thing versus using the, AP, the gun chain API to unsubscribe um, everything on that part of the graph, that tree in the graph. However, both of these kind of break into sub branches on their own. So let's rewind back to the internal event listener where you're unsubscribing just your one listener, which is the case with React. You might have you, the, the name of a person in a social network be displayed in the upper right-hand corner where you can click on your profile. And you want a listener for whenever they potentially, you know, if they change their, their screen name or alias, you want that um, UI element to update. But you're also going to have um, listeners on every single one of their posts that if they change their screen name or alias or name, that, that all of their posts would also update. And so when you exit their feed or the home page and switch over to a, another user's profile, you want to unsubscribe the individual event listeners for those posts, but not the event listener that is the, the UI button for going to your profile that has your name on it. That's great and simple when we're dealing with what I call a singleton in the graph. And a singleton in a graph is just anything that's just like get foobar. The issue is there's two now edge cases aside from a singleton. So if we're only ever dealing with a singleton, guns chaining APIs and method and internal code will be ridiculously simple. In fact, Goldfish, who runs the very popular peer-to-peer -peer Reddit alternative, not a bug, um, has like re-implemented guns chaining API in just a few lines of code. The issue is it only deals with singletons though. And I wish, I wish I could only deal with singletons. These other edge cases have to do with the following. Well, what happens when you have a graph traversal, git foo, git bar, git Fred's pet, um, that then references another node that is not actually nested inside of that object. It's not, it's not an object inside of it. Fred's cat is an independent entity that we can access uh, separately at the very top level of the graph. So what happens when you have a singleton that is traversing through the graph and cycles back around to a root level node? Well, now we have two different listeners for that. You might have code that is listening to Fred's the cat at the root level of the graph, and you might have a listener that's listening to Fred, Fred's the cat, some, you know, like deeply nested inside of some uh, traversal because you traversed it through Fred's spouse who has, uh, you get the point. Those are two different event listeners for the same thing. Um, and so even on a singleton, when you get the Eve callback, uh, the, the Eve listener back, that, that Eve listener might be the actual internal Eve listener or might be a proxy for multiple different Eve listeners, depending upon 
how many things correspond to that in the graph. Now things get even worse, which is what if we did something like, hey, iterate over all the users in the graph, um, grab their friends, iterate over all of their friends, <laughs> and then subscribe a listener to that. Now you have a listener that is subscribed at one place in the graph, but is actually being called with potentially hundreds of different contexts, hundreds of different um, as contexts. So if we call eve.off in that context, are we unsubscribing the original callback that we passed into the listener? That therefore unsubscribes everything? Or are we unsubscribing it for just this one item in the list? And then uh, how do you deal with that? So th this has been a pain in the butt that's taken me actually like several years to, to separate. But effectively, at the end of the day, everything is a proxy of a proxy of a proxy. <laughs> um, so I can't give you really any guarantee of whether that eve.off that you call for that event listener is <laughs> your original <laughs> callback is a proxy that relates to a shared <laughs> um, node in a graph or value in a graph or whether it was the original singleton. Got it, okay. Yeah, so I can, I can definitely appreciate the uh, amount of complexity involved. So um, one of the things that I've tried testing is uh, if I access a nose, node through different pathways and do a comparison for equality, it seems that I generally get what I expect. Is that, is that something that uh, people can continue to rely on no matter what sort of pathway they follow that they can identify. If I'm also to my test, I'm using root level nodes, and I'm not sure if there's um, other various variations of nodes I, I, I don't yet know about. <laughs> if you're generally speaking not doing anything tricky with gun, yes, because all um all data returned is being proxied off of a root level chain that proxies a root level graph data node. Um, and that obviously doesn't make any sense, but because you've done this yourself with traversing, you, you at least get the sense that, oh, you do have a shared object that's being called back in different listeners. So you, you understand some level of this. The, the one thing I need to make a disclaimer here though, is that um, when you introduce some other adapters inside of GUN, and by adapters, I mean things potentially like C, security encryption authorization, they're actually gonna be tampering with the root level chain, con uh, the, the chain method, Sorry, sorry, the root level chain reference, but they won't be tampering with the root level graph node because the, the root level graph node has to stay wire spec compatible and be peer and serializable to any other peer in the network, whether it be through WebRTC, WebSockets, UDP, et cetera. However, um, the root level chain reference to a node will kind of dirty the 
the peer node graph and, and it'll dirty it by creating a copy of that. And once it's created a copy of that, it's then going to use that, that copy as the shared reference that all other, um, listen, all other listeners point to. Um, so generally speaking, if you're not doing anything dirty or weird and gun, that will hold true. However, if you're doing some you know, root level wire adapters or using some, somebody else's code that is dirtying that chain and they don't know how to handle it correctly, that could, that might not be true. Got it. Okay, makes sense. Um, yeah, I think that this video is going to be really helpful for me as I'm trying to dive into the code. I'm, I'm certainly going to go back and review this because you get into some heavy topics. And I think that uh, a lot of this is new for me, probably will be for other people who maybe want to contribute, and this will be super helpful. But um, you've really covered a lot of the, uh, the things that, Oh, I think all the things I wanted to go over. So uh, was there anything else you wanted to, to put in this video? Because we're coming up on probably about an hour now. Yes. So two last things. I do need to head out in, in a few minutes. I might wind up bleeding over time by about five minutes, but I think we started late a little bit. Um, but I think these are the two last things. So the, the last piece, which is to follow up on what you were just mentioning, um, is the cool thing with that shared reference is you can actually mutate that shared reference and that mutation will then show up in those other event listeners. And that's pretty ideal for doing uh, UI bindings like with React or Vue or Angular or my own system called Joy. Um, because then in the UI, if you run some sort of thing where you wanna like down convert a decimal to two digits so that way that it looks nice when you print the screen you can kind of make that edit once on that um the data that you get back in that callback um so that way that you then render it to screen and you then have a certain level of guarantee that that shared mutation should also reflect in all of the rest of your event listeners with that um that change that you're trying to make for, for displaying in the UI. Now, this last piece is finally the very reason why we started this whole talk, which is what's going on with chain.off um, that potentially is not resubscribing. The reason why chain.off is a little bit buggy right now, well, sorry, I should say chain.off works really, really, really well, but then when you try and resubscribe to something, what, why is it not working? And the reason why is because uh, chain.off uh, is actually one of the, has, has like more code in it <laughs> than chain.on. <laughs> and, and the reason why is because at some point people just needed to evict from memory the data in that node. And so I kind of came in with chain.off and just brutalized everything. Chain.off will be extraordinarily aggressive and unsubscribe every possible path in every possible direction and all possible descendants for a particular chain. <laughs> um, and that's probably the reason why then later when people try and reattach something, it doesn't connect because um, I very hastily patched uh, the code with chain.off to just aggressively unsubscribe everything. And I'll walk through that. Um, in the last kind of hopefully minute, two minutes, which is there is the next property on each, the, an internal next property on each chain that represents each next chain, uh, basically the children of chain 
the, the children chains that exist on it. And I forcibly um, wind up deleting the key, um, which is the git key, uh, represented by just doc, that where we're at, where we're at, uh, well, uh, never mind. Yeah, I've rambled about that enough. So I forcibly delete the, all of the chain um, children that correspond to that, um, that key. I then also wind up forcibly deleting all of the request response cycles, which I haven't even talked about, um, that are generated through, from the chains, from the outbound, from the, the IO going out. Um, the IO outbound winds up creating a request response cycle as its own event system on top of the internal um, IO event listeners. So I have to clean that up. I then aggressively clean up any um, property on any of the shared mutable data that is actually returned. Um, so that way your returned object has those data properties removed from it when you call dot off. So, so that way they get hidden. Um, elsewise, you just get a bunch of undefines or nulls, which are not pleasant, and people were complaining about that, so we clean that up. We then also look at the root graph, and we clean that up. So if we happen to be on a top-level UID, um, we want to clear out that node from the data graph itself at the root level. And then I then wind up um, going through all of, if we happen to be on a, a a chain that's been mapped over that will have many different children corresponding to it. I then have to map over all of those children and forcibly recursively unsubscribe all things that are linked to it via those proxies, where if you have Fred's cat in one um, path, and then you also have root level Fred's um, cat, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm uh, unsubscribing all references to that cat when you call on one of them. Um, not because it's necessarily ideal, but just because memory preservation was a little bit more important with this patch than um, having fine-grained control of what you're turning on and off, because that's given to you through the callbacks. And I'll then later improve the chain.off um, uh, method so uh, you can pass it different parameters that more finely um, control what gets turned on and off. And then finally, I have to do the last thing, which is I have to iterate over all of the next, um, uh, the, all, uh, all of the, the next children chains, because I want, because dot off is going to unsubscribe everything beneath it as well, and recursively call dot off on those things, which will then recursively call dot off on all those other things underneath it. Um, and the very last piece to end with, which is in the future, I hope to switch over to a slightly more flexible model um, which is as other people add their own custom chain extensions to gun, there's going to be an event hook called off that will let uh, people do their own custom cleanups. And this isn't quite ready. I mean, you, you could clearly see it's being called. So in your gun react code, you could set up a listener for um, off and then you can do your own cleanup at that point. For instance, let's say somebody unsubscribed from the, the gun chain, but not from the UI. You would then be able to, from the gun chain, uh, make sure you're cleaning up your UI elements as well in the reverse direction. However, that's not quite finalized yet um, and is going to require more thought and debugging and fixes 
like hopefully will, will happen now moving forward with you wanting to get this cleaned up. So I, I, I'm, I very much appreciate you jumping in and me kind of explaining some of the stuff. This is a very high level explanation of the whole event system and why um, unsubscribing has all these different edge cases. And then maybe we can do another, another call at some point that's a little bit more hands-on with like, okay, well now how do we nail the bug down and actually fix it? Um, now that there's kind of context to what's going on. Yeah, that would be really cool. Uh, I'll definitely want to take some time to <clears throat> review and get uh, familiar with the code, but a peer programming session would be extremely cool. So uh, you mentioned joy, and while you were going through explanation there, I, I was looking on my other computer here for joy, and, and I, I'm really not able to find it. Is that, uh, can, you, can you tell me where we can find it, where we can learn more about this other part, uh, this other, is it JoyDB? Okay, so, so I saw that username and I wasn't sure if this was somebody else or yours. It's brand new. It was just released a month ago and you could say it's pretty buggy. Um, Gun, the quick difference is that Gun is pretty low level library. It doesn't have very much assumptions. You can use it in whatever combination you want. And that's how I like to code things and that's the style I really appreciate. But I have noticed that a lot of users out there just want a very opinionated framework that has all the bells and whistles added onto it. And so Joy is going to be that. Um, it's a fully baked uh, graph, relational graph database management system. It has everything from UI bells and whistles and templating languages uh, to, uh, to schema systems and type systems all of the very opinionated stuff that other developers love that I usually avoid. And I want this to very much be a community run project because um, I'm, <laughs> I usually don't like making these types of decisions and opinions. Do note the last kind of piece here with joy um, is it has its own templating language that automatically binds to gun. And you can see it right here. And it's actually pretty easy and pretty elegant. But I do not really want to compete with React, Vue, Angular, and the other ones. So I would super, super, super appreciate it if we could actually add React and Angular and Vue bells and whistles and templating um, to Joy with Gun React that you're already building, such that Joy and Gun React are just kind of bundled together and out of the box is a beautiful opinionated experience for any React developer, that a React developer just specifies their, their React components and their data structure um, and their React, I don't even know what it's called, their React UI elements. And then everything is automatically bound bi-directionally to gun and you have your whole app up and running. But I'm gonna leave that to you because I'm really bad with React and you seem to understand everything that's going on and you're the, you're the expert. So I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks. Um, I, um, yeah, I was, you know, uh, thinking that it looks like there's a lot of useful stuff happening, happening in this project. And so that was going to be my next question was, um, how can we take, uh, these pieces and be able to produce these different things. The other thing too is that of course React has this, big user base and we want to be able to provide something that people coming from React know it and then they can adopt uh, Gun and, and these things very quickly. And um, yeah, so I'll, I'll be uh, needing to read up on Joy as well so I can understand 
what sort of work is, is happening in this project. Let's do um, the call next week on joy because there's a lot of things that will probably pretty quickly want to be deprecated. So that way, better things like React um, can be used inside of joy rather than my own templating language. So uh, don't bother wasting your time on joy this week. I'll just do a quick call next week. It's much, much, much simpler to explain. <laughs> um, and then that will hopefully get momentum towards uh, React as being the default templating system with, with joy. Okay, that, that works for me. That sounds great. Thanks so much, Rob. I really appreciate jumping on call and uh, everybody listening to this episode of the D-Web podcast. It, I will try and post the video version of it as well. So that way, if you want to look up what was happening in the screen side. Uh, but I think a lot of this hopefully made sense audio alone. Uh, and we'll see you all next week. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Mark. This has been great.